Welcome back to another exciting episode, Minute 62 of the Apollo 13 Minute, a show where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go over probably one of the greatest space history movies ever made, the 1995 Ron Howard-directed feature, Apollo 13. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane. And I'm Hal Bryan of the Rocketeer Minute of the Experimental Aircraft Association's Green Dot and uh, other things, both hither and yon. Happy to uh, happy to lend a hand and fill in uh, for uh, Chris, as you said, he is on assignment. Yes, uh, he will be. He will be back soon. Uh, but Hal, it's great having you here again, and uh, always fun talking about Apollo thirteen with uh, with fellow space and air aircraft geeks. Absolutely. Um, and uh, this today is our math episode. <laughs> so we, <laughs> yes. um, it, this is the one where everybody, you know, and, and as as we get further away from nineteen seventy. Uh, you know, audiences of uh, of uh, Gen Yers and and millennials look on in astonishment as you see people doing math with pencils and and pieces of paper and and funny little rulers that uh, slide back and forth. Yes. So, what would you call a ruler that slides? Uh, gosh, Jim, what, uh, there's there got to be only, a name for that, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it could be it could be patented or something. <laughs> yes, I, it could. The, the funny thing is, is that today we have somebody who teaches how to use those funny little <laughs> slide rulers uh, in as a daily part of his life. It's amazing. <laughs> So how, it, how, why, and how? Uh, well, it's, uh, <laughs> I wish I could speak super eloquently about the history of the slide rule. I do know that they, they first came around in sort of the early 1600s, if you could imagine that. And then, you know, what we'd recognize as a more modern, quote unquote, modern dated slide rules, more like mid, uh, mid 1800s. Um, but there's something, it's always been fascinating to me. And you talked about teaching and using it and things in aviation, uh, we historically have used a circular slide rule called an E6B, or there's you know varying varying models and designations, but generally E6B was the one that uh, that really stuck. And it's um, it works the same way as what you're seeing on screen in this minute. It's uh, except for the fact that it's it's round, and so you can. Um, what what baffles me about it is that you've got all these numbers around two circles, one inside the other. And you line up this number with this number, and then you go over to this part of it and read this number and this number, and and you get an answer. And and you can line up uh, two values, and then find, for example, um, I'm traveling uh, 97 miles at uh, 80 miles per hour. Let's say that's my ground speed, and I'm burning. Uh, and I know I burn 11 gallons of fuel per hour. So, you know, how much gas am I going to burn in that 97 miles? Or I can turn it over and, and put a couple of dots with a pencil and figure out I'm going this way. The wind is coming from that way. So I've got to point the airplane this other way, you know, within a degree to get to where to where I want to go. And it's uh, it's definitely an anachronism, you know, that we're still teaching on you know, this aluminum uh flight computers, the E6B, that have been around in, in their same form since, you know, certainly the late 20s um, and maybe perfected and modified up through the very, very late 30s, early 40s. Um, but there's, uh, on the one hand, it seems it seems ridiculously archaic because we've all got iPhones and apps and things and we can do all this stuff. But on the other hand, I think it does, by having something tangible in your hand, I think it does reinforce 
what's actually going on in the math. And it's reinforcing uh, almost sort of physically and viscerally, you know, the relationship between things, the variables like time, fuel, and distance, and that sort of thing. Yeah, and we can see that in the, in this particular minute. We're watching uh, Tom Hanks' Jim Lovell is reading off the form, uh, 180,000 nautical miles away in space. Right. And everybody's filling in the same form. It's like there's a there's a calculation to figure out where things are and where you're supposed to be in space. And they've all they've all done the same calculation, so they're all filling in the same form and making sure that the that the simple math is 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 going okay. What one of the things that I'm that I always notice on a slide rule is that you can be off by magnitudes, and that, that's always scared me to death is knowing where to put the decimal point. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, there's there's uh, yeah, line right in here. There's a correction too. It says pitch uh, one six seven eight correction one six seven point seven eight. Yeah, and as you said, it's it's you know it's um, it's amazing what they can do, but you've got to bring your brain along for the ride. So you've got to be a you know you've got to be a participant. And you've got to make make sense of it. The circular slide rules we use um, very often don't have obvious units, and you know you might get uh, you know the answer that you get on the slide rule might be six, but you've got to know whether that means six, sixty, or six hundred, and and that's, you know, understanding the context well enough to know, you know, which value it's got to be. It'll tell you it's exactly six, but not, you know, as you said, not which magnitude. Yeah, there, there was an old, I, I can remember an old uh, New Yorker cartoon, New Yorker magazine cartoon from, I think it was the 40s. And these, uh, uh, these two scientists are looking at each other and the one scientist says to the other one, it's amazing. It would take uh, 40,000 mathematicians 60 years to make a mistake like that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that's exactly. That's so very, very true. Such is um, the world. Thanks. And anybody out there who uh, who is a Star Trek fan though knows that the uh, the E six B that you know we've been using for sixty, seventy plus years already is going to last uh, at least until the twenty third century because you see Spock on the original series using an E six B just off the shelf regular old flight computer on at least a couple of episodes. Yeah, but at least you don't have to wear anything in your ear at the moment when you're when you're working on it. So. As far as you know. <laughs> yeah, so far. <laughs> One of the things that, it, I mean, there, there is a lack of calculators in this uh, scene because pretty much the pocket calculator that we were familiar with uh, hadn't come around yet. Uh, Texas Instruments really wouldn't push one out for a couple of years uh, until after that. But there were desktop uh, calculators. The one that would be f familiar to people of this era in 1970 um, would be the SCM uh, um, Marcant, which was a, uh, a rather large, uh, bulky desk, uh, desk computer that had those beautiful things called Nixie tubes. They were little oh. uh, neon, or they're little, they look like little vacuum tubes, and they had different numbers built, built emblazoned on uh, aluminum uh, frames that would be electrified and, and would uh, illuminate incandescently inside of a vacuum tube, and uh, always startling to see. Oh, they're um, just, just gorgeous. And, you know, it was about... Uh... I'm trying to think. So this is this is 1970. I want to say it, would, it could have been as early as about 76. I'm I'm thinking back to childhood, but I remember very very vividly my dad bringing home, you know, being an early adopter, um, bringing home one of the first quote unquote pocket calculators that would never fit in anybody's pocket, and it must have been one of those original TI units, and it was just the four basic uh, functions of arithmetic, and it had a red LED display. And in those, 
1976, 77, 78, whatever that is in, in those dollars back then it was, it was 300 bucks. Wow. And you know, now you can do the same times a million on a, on a watch and be 20 yeah. years out of date uh, <laughs> with your, your Casio calculator watch or what have you. Wow. Yeah. I, I, my first calculator, I, I got as a, uh, it was kind of a combination graduation from the eighth grade going into uh, high school. Uh, f- uh, for my, my parents had gotten me a Uniden uh, four function calculator that also had a square root button and an inverse button. And oh, wow. it was like, this was a major deal. This would be like the most, and I had it in my freshman physics class and just about everybody in my classroom would go up to it to use, you know, I, I lent it to people that so they could figure out their math on the, on their, uh, on their physics work. And, um, I can remember my math teacher, Mr. Clark, if you're listening, <laughs> you were wrong. He, uh, he said, you're, uh, he, he told me to stop using it because you won't have, uh, you won't have a calculator to figure out stuff in the working world. <laughs> and boy, was he wrong. <laughs> Guess what? I mean, the calculators uh, came, came and went on our watches, but if you have a smart watch, they're back. Yeah. And you know, all of us carry these these you know massively powerful relatively speaking computers in in our pockets or wherever these days in the forms of our phones it's unbelievable it's it's stunning the math that the math that you don't have to know in your head but i you know it's still it does it's a it's a function of if you don't know how the math works then the the answer is no good to you Um, right exactly and uh it's just beautiful watching it here that this you know these are all it, it you know, they're not doing square roots and stuff. They're just, they're just typing in, you know, they're, they're writing in numbers and then saying you take this number and subtract it from this number and you wind up with this remainder. All that simple stuff is how you get to the moon. It's, uh, it's not, I mean, when, when I was, when I was studying on my master's degree, people would say, you know, they still say it's not rocket science and stuff, but rocket science isn't rocket science. For the most part, it's a lot of geometry. Um, but, you know, other than doing squares, there's really and you know, that, there's really not much you have to know in the way of math except for the, the initial four functions. And if you can do four functions, you can get to the moon. And I'm willing to bet Jim Lovell was never one of those kids in school looking at this stuff and saying, you know, oh, man, why do I have to learn all this math? I'm never going to use this. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, no, he didn't hit me at the, as a liberal arts type, but, we'll, you know, he's a well-rounded fellow. And uh, <laughs> uh, it's just it's just amazing. But this yeah, it's. Uh, it's just amazing how this, when it's shown to audiences, that there's this this look of, wow, how times have changed, but they really haven't. I mean, people still. This is the same work that you do, you know, when you're. I mean, I mean, they have there. There's apps and things, and there's spreadsheets and stuff that they type stuff in, but you still have to know what you're doing here. And and all these folks that are that are working for NASA today, and and for Blue Origin and and uh, SpaceX and all the other companies, you have to know. The basics here, this, the same basics that they're working on here to to get there and, and be able to do stuff. Um, it, you know, if anything, I think there's less talking. All this stuff of, of you know, reading out uh, numbers and things, it's a nice to have, but most of the telemetry uh, today is, you know, you can see what's on the screens on the on the space station and and back and back and forth. So there really isn't as much point in uh, in reading stuff off. I wonder when the last time was uh, anybody had to do any manual math and then ask somebody to check it. Hmm. In, you know, on any on any particular space mission. Yeah, I, 
then? I'm not sure. That's an interesting question. I, uh, there must be there. I mean, there must be situations where where things are failing and you want to you want to check stuff, but uh, you can. I mean, as long as you can trust your trust your calculator, I don't I don't know right. how much uh, how much back backfill you have to do for those things. Um, it's uh, it is interesting seeing that little that little piece uh, for here. It's in the first second of the of the minute where they show. Uh, there's kind of it's kind of a crib sheet of uh, of what you need to fill out, and they tell you it, it's almost it almost looks like a tax form. You know, see line thirteen and, <laughs> and copy this over, and if you don't have this, uh, add this number in. So uh, you know, again, it's a lot like you know nowadays there there isn't much that you have to know if it's just mostly filling in the forms because the forms tell you what to do with the next number. I just wonder how many. Uh, like they're t- they're telling them to check that was everybody in the room checking the same numbers or was it just you know yeah, uh, sure. it seems dynamic. like it you get uh, let's see what do you get you get four people who, uh, who um, check and concur or yeah. well let's see Hayes does his own then there's three with pencils and there's somebody looking over the shoulder of somebody actually one two three four five six seven eight the David Caruso looking fellow is doing something at minute thir- at second thirty five. Um, so I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. At least eight people are checking wow. the numbers. So a lot of uh, furious pens. Um, what's your parody error there? I mean, do you need just like wouldn't three people be enough to? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. When I'm two hundred thousand miles from home and out of yeah, oxygen right. and accelerating the wrong way, I. You phone a friend. You don't yeah, don't pull the audience. Just phone a friend. Yeah. Exactly, and I think as many uh, as many eyes on it. Uh, the better, or the more eyes yeah. on it, the better. Um, interesting uh, to think about the fact that, too, this was, uh, you know, s- several years after the, you know, the John Glenn missions and or, sorry, the early Mercury missions, John Glenn and what we saw dramatized in hay- Hidden Figures and how you actually had when you, um, at that point, when you said computer, you were likely referring to to a person, to an employee yeah, who was yeah. off-site you know, crunching numbers and things. Yeah, and one of the things we're looking at, we're looking at the uh, mission control, but you wonder how many in the back room are listening in and also doing their own little uh, sure, you know, crossword puzzles of math. <laughs> Playing some Sudoku or something. Yeah, like, no, that's a, I need a nine and an eight somewhere. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, just a, a stunning minute and a, a triumph of uh, mathematics over, uh, <laughs> over, over. over uh, disaster. <laughs> mathematics over disaster, absolutely. That's perfect. Yeah. In the last, the very last second, we see uh, one of one of my favorite uh, uh, hosts uh, uh, hosts of uh, television back in the back in the sixties and seventies, uh, Dick Cavett. We're going to talk a lot more about him tomorrow with uh, with somebody with rather intimate knowledge of uh, of broadcasting. So, um, oh, interesting. Just, just a teaser, a teaser for tomorrow. It it, 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 it will be fascinating. Well, I hope uh, you're going to focus primarily on his uh, star turn in 1988's Beetlejuice. Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which was just one of the most unexpected sort of, not even a cameo, just a small, I wouldn't really yeah. define it as a cameo, just a small little role. And it's just, his, uh, his line, Delia, you are a flake. You have always been a flake. <laughs> if you want to frighten people, do it with your sculpture. It's that when he, he just nails her with that as he's walking out, it just kills me every time. Yeah, no, he's, he's ideal. And I'm, I'm sure the Beetlejuice Minute has covered that in depth. But uh, One would hope so. I did reach out to the... Uh, uh, the Cavett posse, but no, nobody seems to have responded. So we will not, it will not be uh, Dick Cavett tomorrow, but uh, just an interesting broadcaster. 
anyway, for uh, Hal, thank you, thank you again for uh, for guesting. Hopefully, we can have you on later in the week uh, to to chat some more about uh, about Apollo thirteen. We'll see what time and tides turn for us. It's um, always a pleasure. And, uh, and you, there's an open invitation whenever you want to be here. We appreciate you being here. Tune in tomorrow for folks uh, wanting to listen to previous episodes. You know all the places to find us on Facebook at the uh, Apollo 13 Minute uh, uh, Mission Control on uh, uh, Twitter at Apollo 13 Minute. And, of course, the big site, Apollo13Minute.com, iTunes and Google Play, wherever possible. Uh, just uh, type in Apollo 13 Minute and click subscribe. You'll get us hot and fresh every morning, Monday through Friday. Uh, so join us here tomorrow. It looks like we're coming up on loss of signal in about 30 seconds. So uh, we will see you here tomorrow on the Apollo 13 Minute. Thank you.